excited to welcome into the show my brother Brian Lubin. What's up? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? How are y'all? Dude, you are, I wish I was where you're at. You're out in Brazil right now on what is, how many months of this world tour you're making? Five months, man. Five months, full-time travel. Five months from corporate America to full-time travel. It's been a wild freaking ride. And I'm excited to get into it today, man. I've been all over Europe. They have this thing called the Schengen Rule, which I wasn't aware of, but you only get 90 days in Europe and you have to get out of there. Um, So as Yeah, man. So as a boy from Chattanooga, Tennessee and down in the South, where some people haven't even gone on a plane, it was it's been a it's been a transition to say the least, but it's been a great one, man. It's been a very fun journey pushing so far past my comfort zone that I don't even know what it looks like anymore. A lot of perspective now. (laughs) I'm very excited to hear about this journey of the Tennessee boy that decided to go and travel the world, become financially free by the age of 27. And obviously, I think that's a goal and a dream many people aspire to, right? And as sexy as it sounds and as romanticized as it can become for a lot of people, obviously, there's a lot of hard work and grit and sacrifice and decisions that go into unlocking that freedom. So I'm excited to unpack that for you. But where did this uh, inspiration to go and travel the world start? So I've just had this infatuation with travel for the longest time. It all stemmed from when I was in my W-2 and I had the two weeks of PTO. We love them, we hate them, but we have to schedule those things out like six months to a year in advance. And I was begging people to go to Italy with me. I was like, I want to go to Italy, guys. Let's go do this. And this was like two years out of college. Nobody wanted to go to Italy. So I was like, screw it, man. I'm going to I'm gonna go to Italy. I want to go to freaking Italy. I want to go to see the world. That's what I want to do. And so I just went. I was just like, I'm going to go by myself. Screw it. All right. See you guys. You hang out here. I'm going to go do this. That was one of my first experience with individualism, like where I was like, okay, this is not normal. This is pushing past the comfort zone, but I'm going to take this leap. And then it was just such a cool experience for that week that I was like, that the bug was planted, man. It was like the little seed planted in my brain. I was like, travel is just so cool in the context of it is your ultimate mechanism to control time. And I've learned a lot about the perception of time throughout traveling because everyone can think about this. Whenever you travel, time slows down. Really, And then whenever you have monotony, time goes, it's 10 years. And then that's the secret to time is, in the perception of it at least, is that the more newness and uniqueness and experience that you can introduce to your life, the slower the time goes Hmm. and the more enjoyable it is. So that's travel for me in a nutshell. And now... Full time, man. It's been a wild freaking ride, but it's been a good one. What's been, and I know we're going to unpack how you got there, but what's been some of the most memorable parts of your journey thus far over the last five months? I'll give you a literal, I'll give you a couple literal and a couple philosophical. So the literal ones were just like having the accomplishment of a big, hairy, audacious goal. So I've done it before in corporate America, and now I've done it again. So now it's proof of concept, right? And it gives you a new earned level of confidence because you've done it not once, but you've repeated the process. So having the accomplishment of a vivid vision and going out there and being in Greece. I lived in Mykonos for five days. We had lived in Greece for a month. Mykonos, Santorini, Paxos, Crete. I got a head-on car accident in Crete. Had another GoBundance brother bail me out. Him and his family came down in a Greek car and started yelling at the cops. Yeah, man. It's a wild ride. Travel travel's insane, man. 
But we did Greece, we did Barcelona, we did Amsterdam, we've been to Spain, Italy, Switzerland, um, Budapest, Portugal, Brazil, we've been all over, man. And it's uh, every single place has its own uniquenesses and its own special gifts. But philosophically, my big takeaways from it have been being okay with slowing down every once in a while. I discovered these concepts called navigation and acceleration. And so that's become a life-defining concept for me because as entrepreneurs, we're foot on the gas 24-7 and we think that's the way to go. But really the way to go is if you're in that Ferrari and you're going 100 miles an hour down the freeway, but you don't know where you're going, what's the point? So the navigation stage is the stage where you're doing the vision work, the planning, the goal setting, like where do I want to go next in this next chapter of life? And then once you have that established, that's when you mash the gas. So I had to first, for the first time in my life, deal with a period of navigation for three to four freaking months before I decided what my next phase of acceleration was. Because now whenever you accomplish a big goal and you make it to the mountaintop, you're now that person that's at the mountaintop. Now what? Who are you now? You already did it. And you've gone through this so many times in your career, going from being a realtor to doing single family flips to multifamily to hotelier, like podcast hosts. We all go through these changes in identity, man. It is a freaking ride each and every time. It really is. I mean, as you go through certain stages of life, right, you metamorphosize physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually into new versions of yourself. And I want to take people back to the beginning version of Brian, where you were going to school Mm -hmm. and you got out of college. And as most people who go to school get out of college, as did I, right? You are told, go get a job, you bum, figure it out. And what did that initial, as you were getting out of college, what did that initial mindset look like for you? So I was one of the few. What did you do? Yeah, so I was one of the few demented individuals that wanted to do sales because I wanted control of my own destiny. And I was originally, I got a marketing degree. So I thought I was going to do that. And then I realized, I'm like, okay, cool. You just get 50, 60K. I'm like, but you don't have any control over that. By working harder, being better, acquiring skill sets, it doesn't matter. You're stagnant. So that was my first death of fixed rate salary done with that. So I was like, I'm going to go do sales. And I finessed my way into a sales job that was above my pay grade because it made the VP an offer he couldn't refuse. He said, you needed three or four years of experience to even apply for this job. Like, why are you here in front of me? I'm like, look, man, there's two different people that are going to apply for this role. You're going to have the vet or you're going to have the rookie. The vet may have 10 years of experience doing things the way that you don't want them to do it. And you have to, you're not going to retrain them. People are how they are. But like for me, you can take me and I'm brand new. I'm moldable. I'll do everything the way that you want me to do it. And then I'll be a great success story for you. And if I'm not, put me as hourly to begin and fire me if I freaking suck. And he was like, holy crap. And he's like, I've never even thought about it like that. Long story short, fast forwarding to corporate, I made it to the top of the company. Surprise. <laughs> and I was the top guy. I won all the awards, sales rep of the year, rookie of the year, got all the bells and whistles, made it to the top of the mountain, realized I was climb- climbing the wrong mountain. COVID, COVID hits and they essentially freeze all compensation that was promised. So I finally hit my goal, made it to the top. I was like the top 10 of the company out of 5,000 reps. And they owed me a $70,000 cash bonus. And I was so excited. I was going to use it to buy a rental property. And then the day before it was supposed to come, they said, ah, this COVID thing is a little scary. Never mind. We're not going to pay you. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Fun. Thanks, guys. 
And that was my first run in with the fact that I have zero control here. You can get, and I had half of my team fired too. Looking back, it wasn't a personal thing that happened to me. It was something, it was an example of life happening for you, not to you. And so that woke me up and I was like, if I'm going to work this hard and I have this level of work ethic, I might as well do it to make me rich as opposed to somebody else rich. And then I started buying rental properties, started getting up to where I was like, okay, I'm getting the mindset. I'm getting around different mentors, different peer groups, go abundance to be able to get the mindset elevated to get out of this thing. I started up a podcast last October, Action Academy. And oops, I accidentally built that into a business. Would have never imagined that, had no intention of doing that. Fast forward to January of this year, all of a sudden I'm popping out fifty dollars to $80,000 a month with my job and with all these side hustles. I'm like, are you kidding me, bro? I'm like, I've got this. Like, I can leave this freaking job. So January, February, and March, I hit, you know, that 50K mark plus. And I was like, yes, I'm killing it. And I submitted my notice on March 17th. I left corporate America. And from that point on, I've been traveling the world and doing what I want when I want with who I want, which was the accomplishment of my vivid vision. There That's we are. amazing, brother. Congrats on that. Now, what gave you the confidence to put in that notice that you're leaving? Was it a certain amount of money in the bank account? Was it a certain amount of cash flow coming in? Obviously, a lot of people have that fear around, if I leave my job, where am I going to make my money? What am I going to do next? This is my identity, right? And so how did you approach that with a real tactical plan? And when did you know it was time to give yourself permission to take action? Man, so many different answers to that question. So first off, fear, right? False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. So now looking back, twenty hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And I'm like, okay, so what was I really afraid of? What is anybody really afraid of? Fear of failure, loss of status, fear of loss of status, and looking like an idiot, feeling like an idiot. Nobody's really afraid of actually going broke. They're just afraid of the idea of failure. But if you change your relationship with failure and you realize that's something to work towards, and that's the best accelerant for success, then you know, that knocks it out. And you know, what's the worst case scenario is what I would ask myself every single day when I was going through that process. What's the worst case scenario? I go try this out, I fail. Then I would just go back and get another job, man. Or I'd go back to the same job. So here's what I would tell to all of you people listening. If you are thinking about leaving that job and you are terrified of doing that, think about this. What is the worst case scenario? And that it would be to go get another job. So your worst case scenario is your present day reality, plain and simple. So you ask the question about confidence and people have confidence backwards. Everyone thinks that you need confidence to take action. But the reality is you need to take massive levels of action to yield the confidence. So that's what I did. So I didn't sit and plan and prep and go into analysis paralysis for leaving my job. I was pedaled to the floor in that period of acceleration, doing everything I could possible, trying every avenue, every angle, talking to every person, hiking mountains with Maddie A here. And I was like, okay, let me figure this shit out. And so what ended up happening was the cash flow. So my real estate, I don't have a sexy portfolio. So this should make it even more accessible for you guys listening. Print out maybe 3,200. 3200 it's not anything to shake a feather at, but hey, it's 3200 30, 3200 is 3200 with the lights on or off, baby. Let's That's go. That's right. And so because of house hack, my expenses were so low. I have no student loans, no, no mortgage because that's covered by a tenant, no car payment. I bought that thing in cash. So I'm like, bro, four grand coming in. It's like, I'm technically covered, all things considered. 
And then I threw that car on Turo while I was like, okay, when I'm gone, I'm going to Turo this thing. That's an extra 500 to 1,000 bucks a month. So call it four grand for ease of simplicity. Then on top of that, I started printing out money from the podcast. So what I did with the podcast was I created it with no intention of anything. But then what ended up happening was as it progressed, people were signing up for high ticket items and services without me knowing about it. And then so I had a coach reach out to me that I had hired and he was like, man, I just had eight people sign up for my like $10,000 a year thing because of you from your show. Do you want to have an affiliation here? I said, absolutely. And then our mastermind, go. they were like, hey, man, we've got people joining and go abundance from your show. Let's do something here. All of a sudden, I blink going into January. And now I've created... Now it's like twelve to fifteen to $20,000 coming in on top of my W-2. And that was already like fifteen, twenty thousand $20,000 a month. And so I'm like, okay, let me do this for three months, build up a cash reserve. I'm out of here. And that's what I did. Dude, that's, that's the blueprint right there, guys. If... For a lot of people think that you need to have all these resources lined up and that's what requires giving yourself permission to go out and chase your dreams, chase your passions, do something different than what you're doing right now. And one of the things that I love and admire about you, man, is your resourcefulness. How do, you have you found a way to, and I don't know if I've ever heard this story, but how you got into GoBundance, which I would love <laughs> to to connect on that, is you got yourself surrounded by a bunch of really intelligent, wealthy, smart, successful individuals, and you just and consistently <laughs> showed up, played full out, added value, asked questions, made yourself omnipresent, and now you're one of these individuals in the organization that everybody loves, everybody's rooting for, everybody wants to help succeed. And so talk about that because... That's something that I did early on in GoBundance when it first started as well. That's oh, I know. That I intend to do in pretty much every network that I look to join, right? Is just like really bring value, stay connected to all the right people, be omnipresent, be likable. And then all of a sudden you see doors open, hands reach out to help lift you up. And you look back in this trail of a rear view mirror and you're like, man, I've got amazing relationships. That opportunity came from this person, which never would have yeah. came if I didn't. So talk about that mindset because you've done it masterfully. I'm really proud of you and how you've showed up and maximized that community. And I think other people are always asking, how do I find a mentor? What is a mastermind and how do I get plugged into it? And you've really shown to maximize the ROI and your efforts in a mastermind. So what does that look like for you? And how did you go about that? Cool. So a couple of different questions to unpack there. But we'll start We'll start with just mastermind hacks, right? So I'll talk about my story of how I got introduced to GoBundance. And then we'll talk about some ways and strategies that people can use to be that poured into person in a room in or in a networking group or a mastermind event. And then we'll talk about all the rest of it. So first and foremost, I was making a lot of money as I was in my W-2. I was making over 200000 a year. So that technically leads to accreditation, but not in a way that I think is like a fun way. Like I'd rather just have the net worth one, not that. It got me there. And so I was making all this money, but I realized I was broke. I learned about net worth. And I was listening to this little podcast. I don't know if people have maybe heard of it. Maybe Bigger Pockets, like small little indie show. And I was like, whoa, man, net worth, net worth. I wonder what my net worth is. Zero, because I was making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a month spending it. Like, idiot. 
But I'm glad I did that, right? Because I learned a lesson. Fail forward. So then I was like, okay, I'm going by cash flow and assets. And I started buying the assets and everything. And during that period of time, I heard this guy, David Osborne, go on this Bigger Pockets podcast. And him and Tim Rode, this gray-haired guy is talking about getting the goods in the woods. And I'm like, what the hell is this? Who are these people? But they resonated with me. And then this feeling overtook me where I was like, David Osborne's a guy I got to get in touch with. This guy, for people listening, has been on this podcast, uh, Millionaire Mindcast. And he is one of Matt's mentors as well. And now he's become one of my personal mentors. Guy's worth over $150 million. He lives in Austin, Texas. So how does a 25-year-old at the time, 24, I think, get in Atlanta, Georgia, get in touch with a guy that's worth $150 million in Austin, Texas? Here's the story. So in sales, he called email people. So that's what I did with David Osborne. But you couldn't just email him. I had to find a way in, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went and I booked a speaking. I requested to book him for a speaking engagement for 10,000 people in Atlanta. Because I figured somebody on his team that was important, that was high up, would read that because it's money, right? And in the body paragraph, I was like, hey, guys, just kidding. JK, LOL. (laughs) I'm just a guy. (laughs) Whatever you hate doing the most, I'll do for free. Just let me know anything and I will do it like like that. Won't even think about it. Matt King reached out, who's who's his second hand. And he was like, all right, let's see if you're about it. He's like, it was a Tuesday. And he was like, if you hop on a plane, we got this GoBundance event. That's happening on Thursday. It's going to be like five grand for a guest fee. Plus, you have to pay for a flight, room, board, rental car, all that stuff. So call it six grand. He's it's on Thursday. And this was a Tuesday. He's like, we want to give you an invite. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm there. And he didn't think that I talked to him after this. He did not think I was going to do it. But I booked the flight, booked everything, booked the ticket, paid it. And I was there on Thursday. And I showed up and they didn't even have a spot for me because they didn't think I was going to come. And so Matt King's later on in conversation said he had to backtrack and make sure that I had room. And then the next day as an added bonus, they had me golfing with David at the event. And so I was just like, okay, like reality doesn't really exist. I can bend this to where whatever will I want. And that's what started the journey, man. And ever since then, I used this tactic to go into something that other people can take from this. The number one skill to be the most loved poured into person in any masterminding or network of network event that you go to is to change your focus from being the most interesting person in the room to being the most interested person in the room. And that's something that Matt does really well. And I listened to him and I followed his lead because you talk about the likability factor. And that's that. Yeah. Because everyone has this imposter syndrome where they're like, what value can I provide? But for me, I was always on the bottom end of the totem pole. So I'm just going to go up and really enthusiastically learn about people. And that's what led to my podcast as well. Full transparency. I just want to learn and talk to interesting people. And so that's what started the journey. But then there's a step past that, right? To where you lead with interest, that gets you the first 30 minutes. It gets you the first interaction. But how do you keep that, right? How do you forge a relationship? And that is by literally doing the shit that they tell you documenting it and sending it back to them. Nobody does that. Nobody. So if I tell somebody to read a book, then they'll just disappear. Gone. But what I would do is I would read the freaking book. I'll take a picture of it, take notes, send them a picture of the notes and be like, dude, this part really stuck out to me. Thank you for that. And they're like, holy shit, this guy takes action. And like my time isn't wasted in pouring it into this guy. So I applied that same tactic at scale and accidentally just weaseled my way into the group, man. Oops. And <laughs> here we are. And it's just been a, it's been a wild ride. But your network is your net worth. And 
I stand on the shoulders of giants with the perspectives and the way that my business has grown and the way that I'm doing these things because of the environment that I'm with. Because when it comes to terms of identity, the best way to to change your identity is immersion. So immersion leads to conversion when it comes to your identity. So if you want to be that eight-figure guy, that nine-figure guy, the best and fastest way to reinforce that identity is to just be in a room full of those guys. That's it. Dude, you said some gold there. One of my favorite lines that I think so many people can use. And if you did not write this down, I highly suggest you write this down. Whatever you hate doing the most, I will do for free. It's such a golden line that will absolutely get the attention of anybody who, one, values their time, but two, values pouring into other people and mentoring other people and helping other people get a leg up. And when you see somebody take action in the way that you did and you consistently do and have shown to over the period of time that I've been friends with you, it unlocks insane opportunities and relationships and people that want to help you level up. What has been your biggest success out of GoBundance? If you were to just think back, right? And Because I always look at some of the stuff that's transpired for me since joining GoBundance and having these mentors. There's been multiple seven figures of growth that has happened for me, which is great, but I've become an even better husband, an even more purposeful and passionate father, right? I've been able to connect and sit on boards of chairs. There's so many things that have birthed out of having the right people around me. I'm curious if you could boil down one or two things that have made the most impact on you or resonate with you the most in terms of your success or growth as a person, what stands out for you? For sure. The number one thing that I can think of is raising the quality of questions that I ask. That's the big, that's the big one because that applies to everything that you just said, right? So we as people, as employees, as employers, we start asking small questions. And sometimes like people, some people that are listening to the show may be asking the question, how do I make six figures in my job? No offense, small question. It's a small question to ask because what that's going to lead to is you putting 100% of your energy and effort and identity into the accomplishment of that goal to where if you hit the goal, then you're like 100%, then you're capped at $100,000, right? And then you're like, yeah, I won. But there's this book called Think and Grow Rich where it says, be careful of the goals, the level of the goals you set, because if you set one too small, you may accidentally hit it. And that's the worst thing that could happen. So the biggest part, the biggest takeaway for me in the group is asking bigger questions. So right now, my new period of acceleration is how do I build an eight-figure media company by December 1st, 2024? That's a massive question. Let's talk about that. Yeah, for sure. So first off, I'm going to immediately first step numero uno, I'm reaching out to the big dogs, right? I'm reaching out to Dorkin. He's coming on the pod. I'm reaching out to all these guys that have been there, done that Sam Parr, like these guys that have been there, done that, got the t-shirt, reaching out to guys that have sold courses, $500,000 a month in revenue. Okay. How can I add value to that guy? How can he teach me? So that's step one. But essentially what I'm trying to do is ask that massive question. And when you ask a question of that magnitude, which is the questions, type of questions that Matt asks all the time, you have to get out of you. It's not just a me question now, it's a we question. Because the fastest way to get where you want to be is to provide impact to others at scale. So that's what I'm trying to do. So now my goal has gone from how do I grow a podcast to a million downloads, right? So now it's gone to how do I grow 
how do I position this in a way where I have a podcast in the community that grows to a million downloads a month? Then that's grown to how do I help a million people leave jobs that are unfulfilling for a life of freedom, fulfillment, and fun? Like by December 1st, 2024. So the fastest way to get anything you want is helping other people get what they want at scale. So that's what my perspective. And that's the question I'm changing to is how do I help as many other people as possible, which by default is the massive gasoline pour on the fire of what you're trying to accomplish. And that can be applied in any business and anything that you're doing. And podcasting is a hell of a way to start. Tell you that. So So that's what I'm doing. What is the... Because I I have a... I already know you're going to achieve it. So where are you at today? And 30,000 a month. 30,000 downloads a month. And so we got what nine thousand or nine hundred nine nine hundred thousand nine hundred and seventy. Yeah, right? for sure. So we're and you're going to cover that ground. And so I'm curious, what does your plan look like in terms of you're asking the right questions or formulating the plan? What is the level of execution look like for you right now? And how are you intending to really start seeing some of the growth that you know you're going to experience? Just winging it. Just trust in the process. No, that's bullshit. No, of course I'm doing stuff. All right. So for people listening, quick caveat. We're about to talk about podcasting here, but please apply all the principles that Matt and I are talking about to growth in your business, growth in your real estate portfolio. Like These are principles that still apply to everything that you're doing in your life. I promise this isn't just a podcasting podcast. How do you accomplish a big, hairy, audacious goal? Two ways. You break it down. First, you have a vision of what the heck you want. So Vivid Vision, Cameron Harold, fantastic book. He's. I'm about to talk to him too. So I finally got him on the show. So he's coming on. Vivid Vision. So set an idea of where the heck you want to go. Tell everyone you know about it. So that way it's a team sport. And then focus on the lead lead measures as opposed to lag measures. That's L-E-A-D as opposed to L-A-G. All right. So your lead measures are going to be your inputs. These are your controllables. Your lag measures are trackable outcomes. So use this in the context of going to the gym. If you're going to the gym and you're trying to lose 20 pounds, most people are like, okay, this week I lost two pounds. This week I lost one pound. This week I lost three pounds. But that's the wrong thing to track. You need to track how many many days did you go in the gym? How many ounces of water are you drinking? How many calories are you consuming? How many hours of cardio you're doing? Like the trackables, the inputs. So for me... Same process that I'm applying to this. So there's a couple of different key metrics that I'm tracking, right? I'm tracking other podcasts that I'm guesting on. I'm tracking organic growth and I'm tracking paid growth. All right. So the fastest way to grow in any medium is to be on that medium. If you're trying to grow on YouTube, you need to be on YouTube shorts, producing short form. If you're on a podcast, you need to be on other podcasts. If you're growing a newsletter, you need to do LinkedIn, like typing, like text conversion. Like that's what you do. Real estate, you go with other real estate investors. So you try to avoid cross-media contamination there. You just stick to whatever that medium is, and that's how you grow. So I've got a database of where I track like listeners and also different podcasts that I'm friends with and that I'm super close with. And I've got a list of 5 million listeners from this database. And it's about 300 podcasts that I know and trust and I've listened to. And that I think would be a good fit. So out of that 5 million, if I get on 50%, well, if I get on 10% of those, that's 50,000, right? And so I'm like, okay, cool. Now back it up. 5 million. Yeah, 50,000. We'll call it that for the sake of math. And then I know that if somebody checks out my show, that's 10% of people checking out my show from the people listening. 
then yeah, so that's it. Okay, back it up, edit that part out. So if I get on 10% of the people that are on the show, that's 5 million to 500,000. And then if 10% of those people check out my show, that's 50,000. Yep. And then I know that if people check out my show, that 72.4% of them become subscribers to the show. So that's a data point. So I'm like, okay, let me just work the math backwards and then tack that on top of organic and all this other stuff. And then there we go. So what that leads to is me doing reach outs, me doing engagement, me posting five episodes a week, me doing 10 pieces of short form content per episode where I'm going to have that distributed 30 times. That's the how I'm going to do it. And also the cool part about all of this is it's going to change as I evolve in the process, my skill sets grow and my mentorships grow. So somebody can tell me one thing to do differently and I'll just apply that thing. So that's how I'm growing the podcast specifically. And it also grows at average 40% a month organically right now. There we go. Beautiful. Look at that. And who needs to track math, right? We're not made for math. Dude, we're made, we're sales guys. Math. <laughs> screw math, man. We got other people to do that. <laughs> so as you do that, talk about your monetization plan. What does that look like? How are you going to consistently, one, of course, always bring value to the people in your world, but how then are mm-hmm. you converting your passion into active income for you? Cool. So there's a couple of different ways on that too. So I've done a lot of thinking about this, Matt, as you can I tell. Can he, tell. Think, he He's going to try to put me on the spot, but it ain't going to work because I remember specifically the story of you and Machi Picchi with David Osborne, and he tried to ask you about your numbers. He didn't know them. I know my numbers, damn it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you let's get to it for me. Got my ass yeah. kicked for the ball. Yeah, that's the fastest way to success people is not learn from your failures, learn from other people's failures. That's an even faster accelerant. So for me to monetize, there's two different primary ways you can monetize podcasts. There's CPA, CPM. CPM is cost per affiliate or cost per acquisition. CPM is cost per mil, which is 1,000 downloads. So when you think of CPM, think of a Traeger Grill, Joe Rogan. Hey, guys, check out this mother effing Traeger Grill. Millions of, down- millions of downloads, millions of dollars for Joe Rogan. So for an independent podcaster, that's not that lucrative, right? But if I get up to 50,000 downloads an episode, five episodes a week, that's 250,000 downloads per week. That's four weeks, a million downloads a month. 50,000 at a 25, which is the industry average, $25 cost per thousand downloads would yield me $1,125 for a CPM ad for per episode. So then that would essentially print out $300,000 a year right there. Then I do the affiliate model on top of that. And I still affiliate with things that I am like used to and that I services and coaches that I use. That's going to yield another 100, 200,000 right there on top of that. So that's about 400, 500,000 right there. Then I'm working on a newsletter where I'm growing that. I'm going to do a percentage of that's a paid conversion. And then also on top of that, I'm building a course in a community, which is my own product. And that's where you get the meat and potatoes of it. So right now, that is my strategy. So if you want to build a media company, go do that. And here's the cool thing. At the end of the day, I really don't care if I hit the goal necessarily, because if the actual goal, Alex Hormozzi talked about this on his podcast, he was like, if your goal is $100,000 in a year, he's like, the goal doesn't need to be 100000 The goal needs to be like a million. Because then if you hit 100000 it's just a rounding error and a catastrophic failure to the goal that you're pursuing. So for me, like, what's the worst case scenario? Like, I grow this podcast up, I grow this community up, I help a bunch of people leave their jobs, and I get to a point where by I fail my goal, and by a rounding error, I'm accidentally making seven hundred thousand a year from my podcast. Shit, not too shabby. <laughs> yeah, but that's a form of what I call passionate income. 
which is what I think people need to go towards because we all talk about passive income. And I think passive income is a great chapter one to a book of financial freedom. But you need to move to the second chapter, which is when you have your freedom, what do you do with it? And so all of this I would do for free and I've done it for free because I enjoy it so much. So for me, that's like the ultimate sense of fulfillment is how do you fund your lifestyle in an abundant way doing something that you enjoy? So you have to do the passive income to earn the right to move to passionate income. But what it does is when you're taken off like a plane and you go through that first layer of turbulence in the clouds, you get above that layer and you're just horizontal at 37,000 feet, then that's when you can start seeing things for as they are and then focus on, okay, what did I enjoy doing as a kid? Can I build a business around that? That's where the Elon Musks come into play because they love what they do. Jeff Bezos loves doing what he does. That's why they did it. So what is the next phase of the travel journey look like for you? And by the time you come back, what are you having committed to being done? Oh, man, that's an easy one. I'm coming back November 1st. I'm okay. done, man. Five, five months is good enough. I've really extremely hedonically ad- adapted to this, to where when I see a beautiful view, it gets pretty familiar for me now. And so now that I have the perspective that I have, for people listening, hedonic adaptation is when you get that new thing or you get that new house and that new car and it's awesome. And then it just becomes another thing. And I'm sure a lot of us have been through that where you get, get a big desensitized house. to it. Yeah, you're desensitized. You get a big house and you're like, oh my God, it's the best thing ever. I'm going to have so many people over. And then you're just like, after two years, it's just your house, man. Yeah, it's just your house. And so now for me, I'm seeing like the beautiful views that anybody would kill to see. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what every day. <laughs> and so moving forward in the future, I think I'll do probably one to two month spurts away and then back because contrast creates clarity. And that's the fun part. So I'm heading home. I'm entering my next period of acceleration, which is head down building this media company. And I knew that at the time where I was traveling, and I was walking on the beach in Rio. And I'm like, all I'm thinking about is, okay, how do I grow this? Like, how do I monetize? How do I make this course the best thing ever, et cetera? And I'm like, okay, it's time. (laughs) Time to move into the next sprint. So that's what I'm currently about to do. Obsession with the acceleration. I love it, brother. So many great gems dropped in this conversation. And we'll be sure to have all the links, resources, everything in the show notes at millionermindcast.com. But for those that want to check out your amazing podcast and what you're doing, the course, the community, your passion and energy is infectious. And I think people that get around those types of people who share in those similar values, it is compounding in ways that really are unseen until you get around the right individuals. Thanks for coming on the show, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Appreciate it. 